Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Prepare for a scare. It's the Midnight Macabre. Podcast. Three more days to Halloween, my silver shamrocks. Thank you for joining me for another very special live episode of the Midnight Macabre Podcast. I am your sleep-deprived guide to the other side, Laura Lampton, and I'm here with another helping of the suffering which is said to have occurred in the history of the Old Mill and the surrounding area here in Bramshire. As I mentioned, I did not sleep at all well after our show last night, thanks to things going bump in the night. Now, before you all start your messages to tell me I've lost my edge, you'll be glad to know that I'm still very much your number one scream queen and that, like all good horror heroines, my first reaction to being woken by bumps, bangs, whistles and whines in the night was, of course, to get up and investigate myself. Creeping down the creaking staircase by the light of my phone, because, well, what self-respecting victim ever switches on the lights like a sensible person, I eventually found the source of the thumping and groans coming from the door leading to the old mill's cellar. I took a deep breath as I turned the handle and, of course, found it to be locked. Messaged my host, who let me know that it was an issue with the boring boiler. So I suffered the terrible fate of a sleepless night and a cold shower this morning. 
But before your thoughts turn to a frozen and bedraggled Laura crawling out of your phones in seven days to murder you for your part in sending me to my icy doom up north, I'm happy to share that. Thankfully, after what has been a solid day of more clanging and banging down in the basement, we're back in business. In fact, as the rather statuesque and eerily stoic plumber told me as he was leaving, all is ready. So I'll be slipping into something warm and cosy after I'm done giving you all a few chills. Tonight, we're stepping further forward to the 1970s and two girls who spend their Halloween chasing down a local legend to come to the aid of a wayward classmate. Based on original police reports and witness statements by Mike Garley and performed by Alexandra Elroy, tonight's story... The Ritual of Old Mill Lane. Even the rusted old cast-iron door couldn't contain the stench of the place. There was a thickness to it that almost seemed to assault the senses. The girls were accustomed to the smell of industry, their father stank of it, but this was something different. Something otherworldly. Neither Maria nor Judy wanted to go any further. Are you ready? Judy asked. Maria nodded as she lied to her friend and herself. How could anybody be ready for what they were about to go through? Begrudgingly, Maria pulled her hood over her head to hide her fire-red hair from view. The note had been very specific about that. Written on old parchment paper, the letter was handwritten and delivered in the same manner. If that wasn't peculiar enough, it was sealed with a ruby-red wax stamp with a sigil of a howling wolf. When Maria's parents saw it sat atop the Daily Post, they dismissed it as some mean childish prank. But Maria knew better. Her friend Cassandra had told her about the sacrifices in Mill Lane. A ritual which was said to be capable of awakening an ancient wolf god. Cassandra had even told Maria to learn about the ritual so that she could take part in it. Maria thought herself a good and dependable friend, but even she had to draw the line at waking sleeping wolf gods. Cassandra had always been obsessed with the macabre. Even as a little girl, she'd want to play witches and pretend that they were terrorising simple village folk. She seemed to take some sort of joy in tormenting others. A few years later and Judy moved in down the road, and their duo became a trio. Although the three of them were close, it was clearly Maria who was the glue that held the group together. Cassandra and Judy would rarely spend time without her there. As they got older, Cassandra's obsession grew. She would hunt out anything even slightly connected with the occult. She even said that she could feel when something or somewhere wasn't right. Of all the places they had ever been, there was nowhere she felt that off feeling more than at the rusted old cast-iron door of the old abandoned warehouse on the outskirts of town. The building was within walking distance of the mill. It had originally been a textile factory, before getting repurposed to house leather workers and sack makers, before finally falling into disrepair after the Great War. 
Cassandra would often trek across town to the building just to sit against the rusted old cast iron door. A door that had been locked shut since the building closed down all those years ago. At least it was. Until tonight. With an ominous creak, the door opened slowly. As the two girls crossed the threshold, Maria was reminded of how she felt on the day she walked into her lounge to see a policeman waiting for her. She could tell by the look on his face that something was wrong. The policeman explained Cassandra's plight to her, but there was a strange air of finality in the manner in which he told her. He didn't say that Cassandra was missing. He said that she was gone. That was two months ago. Maria felt a cold grip on her hand as she entered the old building. She knew it was Judy, but she didn't want to admit to herself that she was spooked enough to need to check. Much to her relief, Judy let go of her hand and headed to investigate one of the wooden workbenches. Running her finger across it, she picked up a thick layer of dust, which she promptly showed Maria as if to prove that they were alone. Judy felt something shatter underfoot with a squelch. Almost too scared to look, she lifted her foot. The sight of the crushed skull of a recently dead pigeon greeted her. A fine line of oil-like blood from its eye socket, evidence of its recent demise. Composing herself, she took a deep breath. The duo were far from brave, but they owed it to Cassandra to continue. They had stopped truly being a trio long before Cassandra's disappearance. It was when her obsession seemingly consumed her every waking thought. Judy and Maria would want to go to roller discos, the cinema, or even the arcade, but Cassandra would always make up some excuse why she couldn't go. It wasn't long until they drifted apart and stopped inviting Cassandra out at all. There were only so many knockbacks their pride could take. Judy, Maria said in a hushed tone as she pointed towards a flickering orange light in the darkness of a corridor. There. The orange spread and grew as the girls watched on. They hoped it was a trick of the light, but slow, methodical footsteps on the cobblestone floor made it clear that that wasn't the case. The letter was right. Come to the rusted old cast-iron door on the first full moon of October, in robes of black and brown. With a sacrifice of fire, the thirteen will awaken the wolf god. They'll howl, you'll howl, and finally with the ritual complete, and through razor's sharp teeth, he'll howl too. Hiding behind some empty wooden shipping containers, the girls gripped tightly onto one another. Stealing looks through the gaps, they watched as the hooded figures marched slowly through the ice-cold warehouse. There was an inevitability to their motion. They moved in unison, like a funeral procession walking towards a grave. Judy held tightly to Maria's hand once more. The procession walked on. Maria felt a shiver run down her spine, as if she knew exactly whose grave the hooded figures were walking towards. She had to get a proper look at them. After moving from one corner of their hiding place to another, she managed to count eleven of them walking in unison. Despite their robes, she was fairly confident that they were of the fairer sex, 
The figures looked as if they were members from some long-forgotten commune, but that detail was inconsequential compared to their faces. She couldn't see them at first, but she could smell them. And the unmistakable stench of rancid meat. When the figures turned towards the old iron door, she finally caught a glimpse of their faces, or at least where their faces should have been. Framed by their robes, their faces were made of a tapestry of what could only be described as roadkill. Cats, dogs, foxes and various other wild animals were all cruelly sewn together. Dried blood caked around their stitches, they were a nightmarish sight to behold. Maria felt her stomach turn at the realization of what animal the masks resembled. We need to go, she whispered in a fear-gripped voice. Looking towards the entrance and the wolf-faced cultists, she gestured back towards the corridor from which the cultists had entered. There was no other choice. Staying low, she darted from one bench to another to keep from their gaze before managing to make it to the mouth of the corridor and out of sight. She looked back, but Judy hadn't moved. With a mighty clang, one of the cultists placed a metal bar across the door. Judy mouthed. They're locking it. Maria called over in a hushed voice. Quickly! Maria called over to her once more. This time Judy listened. But Judy wasn't the only one who listened. Hearing a squelch underfoot, one of the cultists bent down to examine the remains of a dead bird. Without a word spoken, the other cultists scattered like bugs scurrying from an overturned rock or like a pack of wolves hunting its prey. Don't scream, a familiar voice whispered as a hand clasped over Maria's mouth. The night had been full of little mysteries, but Maria didn't even have to turn around to know who was behind her. Cassandra's husky voice was unmistakable. Maria span around to embrace her friend. She had so many questions, but there would be no time for them to get reacquainted just yet. Judy's scream saw to that. Judy stood with her hands out as she tried to plead with the hooded figures. Please, I'm just looking for my friend. The cultist ignored her words and pulled her hood down, allowing them to examine her face. Judy's plea was answered by the hooded figure gently touching her clothes with the tip of the torch. The delicacy of the contact betrayed the damage as the flame erupted from her clothes and engulfed her body. She screamed out in pain and flapped wildly as the flames devoured her. Her screams melted away into a deafening screech as she crashed from one workbench into another before finally buckling and falling to the floor. The hooded figures stood around her corpse, studying it as if it were the last embers of a dying campfire. Maria tried to scream again, but luckily Cassandra was there once more to hold her mouth tightly. The two girls watched in silence as their friend's corpse crackled and popped, the smell of her burning flesh curdling in the air. Maria felt almost sick as she watched, but what sickened her more is what she felt behind her. She turned as she tried to disprove her worst fear, but she couldn't. From ear to ear, Cassandra smiled 
as she savored Judy's fate, her love of the macabre etched into her face. In fire, he will be reborn, Cassandra said, before pushing Maria onto the cold floor in front of the remnants of her friend. Maria screamed as she narrowly avoided Judy's now blackened body. She wanted to run, but the cultist formed a circle around her, and she knew that she would find no escape on that fateful night. Why? Maria asked as tears began to fill her eyes. We were friends. We still are, Cassandra said as she walked into the circle. Don't you remember what I said to you? I wanted you to learn about the ritual so that you could take part in it. Well, look around you, she said as she gestured at the many, many faces that made up the circle. The moonlight highlighting their blood-soaked features. You're right in the center of it. With that, the wolves with their faces made of meat and death started to howl. Maria tried to fight against the stench and the heat, but her senses felt overwhelmed. Everything she had seen and heard and smelt. She wanted to be sick. Cassandra smiled before adding her howl to the other eleven as they tried to welcome back the wolf god. Maria wanted to fight it. She wanted to scream for help, but the night had taken its toll and when she eventually opened her mouth, it was something else that left her lips. They howled. She howled. And with the ritual complete, and through Razor's sharp teeth, the wolf god finally howled too. Now, I appreciate I'm preaching to the choir here, but if you don't know which of your group is most likely to sell out her friends for ritual sacrifice, take a moment to reflect on the fact it's probably you. You can't feel too bad for Maria, though. I mean, you know, she's got eternal youth, raw power, and all the teenagers you can eat. Sounds like an attractive deal to me. I've signed some pretty mortifying sponsorship deals for less. Maybe I will see if the Order of the Wolf God are still inducting new members via Zoom. Thank you once again, of course, to our ravenous hordes of supporters who have brought me out here. Because hearing these stories in and around the place they're said to have actually taken place has been so spooky. I'm in horror fan heaven. Especially now the hot water is restored. You should definitely book your own chilling escape here just as soon as you can. That's assuming I agree to leave, that is. Until tomorrow, sleep fright and pleasant screams. The Halloween Horrors of Old Mill Lane is produced by Hawk and Cleaver and stars Emily Booth. Editing by Carl Hughes and directed by me, Andy Conduit-Turner. Tonight's episode, The Ritual of Old Mill Lane, was written by Mike Garley and performed by Alexandra Elroy. Music from Sergei Cheremisinov and sound effects from freesound.org and zapsplat.com. The entire series is produced under a Creative Commons license, which of course means that you can't sell it, you can't edit it, but you can go ahead and share that to your heart's content. Join us again next time.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.